0: Hey guys, before we start the show today, I just got to apologize to everybody. I'm an idiot. I forgot to plug the goddamn computer in today when when I started recording, and it went to sleep on on me in the middle of the podcast and cut out the recording. I caught it pretty quickly, but when I started back up again, something went haywire with the sound, so it it sounds... (laughs) like I'm in a wind tunnel or something for the second half of the episode and there's not a whole lot I know how I can do to, to fix the sound I tried messing with it so that it's it's not terrible but uh, when you get to that part and uh, the sound isn't up to your usual standards I apologize I'm um, just wanted to let you guys know it's hard being a uh, complete retard when it comes to technology but uh, anyway enjoy the podcast Off of I know words, I have the best words. Nobody knows the system better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. Hey hey, what is going on everybody? Welcome back to the Peddling Fiction podcast. I, of course, am your host, the voice and soul of so-called fiction, broadcasting once again from south of the border, where that wall just got 10 feet higher, according to Donald Trump. (laughs) Um, I do apologize. I'm going to be a little late getting this episode out. It will be a Thursday episode, if all goes according to plan here, and I don't have any more technical difficulties. I don't know what the hell was going on with uh, Anchor on Monday. When I tried to get that episode out, it was like right before I clicked the publish button, uh, the, the site just crashed. And it was just that site, and it was down for like an hour and a half or something like that. And um, I, I also me- messed up some of the editing or something, so then I had to take the episode down and repost it because a good portion of the the end got cut out there. And, and uh, anyway, I'm really struggling over here with uh, minimal supplies and a, and a weird setup, but bear with me. I, uh, the, the hours here are a little different. I um, ended up taking a, a late afternoon nap instead of doing the, the podcast when I was planning on it. And then, of course, I, our sunset here is at about 8.45. And if you've ever seen the sunsets in, in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, you, you can't miss those. You can't be cooped up in a bedroom doing a podcast uh, you know, no matter how, how much you love all the listeners and you want to crank out content for them, you, you can't pass it up. It's some of the best uh, sunsets in the world. So anyway, it's you'll get this late Thursday night, and then you'll have all of Friday to listen to it if, you, if you're going to bed early or something like that. But anyway, welcome back, everybody. Thank you all so very much for tuning in. If you're not familiar with the show, if you're one of the new listeners out there, we talk about politics and current events and economics from a libertarian point of view. And, man, we've uh, we got a lot of politics and economics to talk today because Donald Trump, the law and order president, really stirred up a shitstorm with this tweet about delaying the election, which um man there there is just so much to like about that tweet it 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 sent everybody uh bonkers oh and before i forget it's uh it it is thursday night so um i've instructed my buddy to uh to make us dinner while i podcast so if you hear some banging in the background or something that's him making us some chicken fajitas (laughs) i apologize for that i uh I'm doing my best to keep the sound as clear as possible. But he might be doing some banging and some slicing and dicing and things like that. But I told him if he makes the dinner, I will go into uh, the the podcast studios over here and bring home the bacon. And uh, we'll live happily ever after. But um, anyway, (laughs) when I saw this tweet come out and just the reaction to it, it's great. I mean, he has the ability to get... So many people freaked out about this and uh, it, Republicans and Democrats alike, which is why it's so funny that anybody would, would ever think that this is actually going to happen. OK, he, he's not going to delay the election. I don't know what he was trying to accomplish exactly with this tweet, because it does kind of make him look weak. You know, it, it makes him look like he's afraid of these elections and he has you know pretty much every right to be right we just got the the gdp numbers for the second quarter and uh they were historically terrible like the worst on record we're going to get into that a little bit later so he's got horrible economic news coming out left and right the stock market that he's been claiming is you know the cornerstone of his presidency and uh that's been in in the shitter um that was down again today, pretty much across the board. Gold and silver are are up big. Uh, Bitcoin actually broke eleven thousand, so um, I, I am going to get into that a little bit later. But yeah, his poll numbers are coming out; they're terrible. All the historical indicators of a of a failed uh, election bid for president are, are flashing red right before Trump's eyes. So on on the one hand, it would make sense that he'd want to delay the election, right? Except that that would be the dumbest thing that he could possibly do. It's not like any of these things are going to get better if he pushes the election back, right? I mean, the economy is only going to get worse. Uh, We are still just on the precipice of the, the biggest depression that maybe anybody has ever seen. And um, the poll numbers aren't going to get any better as as long as this uh, coronavirus stuff keeps raging on and, and he just keeps getting beat over the head with, with everything day after day. So, I mean, I guess it depends on how long he wants to delay the election, right? Because he didn't indicate how long, he just said until it's safe and um, everybody can get out properly and vote or something like that, which is like, it's the same thing they say with the with the vaccines, like we have to wear the masks until we have a vaccine or until it's safe again like go ahead and define that right and i'm seeing a lot of people on twitter and and the interwebs and all that they're getting really cocky again uh, all the the democrats all of the the sjw's the bernie sanders crews they're getting real cocky that that donald trump is is on the ropes here and i mean i i It's hard to make an argument that he's not, right? Um, I would just... If there is one candidate to not count out, it would be Teflon Don. Like, he just has a way of getting past all of this kind of shit. I mean, who would have thought he would have made it this far? He's had an incredible run in politics the first time that he ever tried to do it. He took out two dynasties. Uh, He survived uh, an impeachment, the Russia collusion... Um, so, you know, it, it doesn't mean that uh, he can't win. I, you might not want to count these uh, chickens before they hatch, b- you know, because he still does have the debates, uh, at least in theory, Biden has committed to some debates and he's going up against Joe Biden, other than Hillary Clinton, maybe the worst uh, candidate to run for, for president. And in, in recent memory, I mean, this guy is falling apart right before our eyes. And if they do these debates I mean, all bets are off. I mean, he, there, there's just no way Joe Biden can make it through a traditional one-on-one live debate with a Donald Trump and, uh, and still have confidence in uh, the confidence of a lot of voters. I can't see that happening. I mean, I, 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 still can't believe that Biden has committed to these debates. I still think he's going to try to find a way to get out of it. He's going to get out of them somehow without, you know, looking like he's getting out of them. They'll, they'll come up with some excuse or they'll come up with uh, some other way of doing them. They'll try to do a Zoom debate because of COVID. And, you know, there, there's only like a million ways that they can uh, mitigate or minimize the damage that that uh, biden could do to himself in a debate if they go through that route right because you know people could be feeding him lines <laughs> they any delay in his reaction or if he loses his train of thought and can't complete a sentence he can just feign like he can't hear something or there's a bad connection so that, that's probably his best route if they're going to pretend to have some sort of debate that they they, they do something online so that donald trump can't be hovering over him like he was Hillary Clinton, just sort of lurking around in the background. Oh, my God. But I really hope they happen. Uh, There's just so much to look forward to with this election. You know, they always talk about every election cycle. And I don't know, I I think most of my listeners are are probably around my age. Some are a little older, um, some are a little younger. But for the younger ones, if you haven't caught on yet, Every presidential election is the most important one of our lifetime. That just goes without saying. Uh, it, it doesn't matter. They'll say it every time. And then they'll be like, no, but we really, really mean it this time. This time blows all those other presidential elections out of the water. But this one is just going to be incredibly entertaining. I don't think it's that important who wins uh, Donald Trump or Joe Biden. In terms of the the fate of the United States, I think that is uh, sign sealed and delivered. Regardless of who takes the reins of this monstrosity, the um, the cast the die has been cast for, for this country, and it is the party is over for the United States. And when we go when we get into these economic numbers here in a minute, it, you're you're going to realize why. But there is something historically entertaining about about what's about to happen with this election like this is i've never looked forward to an election as much as i had uh this cycle and it's really snuck up on us it's it's three months away now just because we've had all this other crap going on and every day it's just coronavirus 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 cases deaths look at flatten the curve all this crazy stuff's going on nobody's really uh paying attention and nobody's campaigning like uh, Trump tried to have the rally a, a while ago, right? But Biden's just been hiding out in some basement and doing, a, I don't know, some stupid video every once in a while that nobody's watching. But what's going to be incredibly entertaining is going to be watching Trump try his best to delay this election and then watch Biden try and delay the debates until the election, Right. Uh, Because neither of them want these two things to happen. Uh, They they both want the other candidates' fear to come to fruition, right? Um, Joe Biden wants the the election to to be held tomorrow if he could and and not have to do any debates. And Donald Trump wants to make sure that they can get three debates in, uh, at least three debates And I I think that's how many they have now, uh, before the the election um, takes place, that he can... You know, he's got it. He's got a puncher's chance, I think, if if he can get on a debate stage. But I do. Th- I think Biden has a much better chance of getting of weaseling his way out of these debates than Donald Trump does delaying the election. I mean, that's just not going to happen. I- I'm sorry, guys. I don't know if uh, if, if you're counting on that happening. It won't. I mean, even if they had the authority to do it. I mean, the the states are in in charge of of their election uh, processes, right? Um, And I suppose he could declare a state of emergency. And, of course, the media has given him all of the pretense in the world to try to pull some of that shit. But it's just not going to happen. He doesn't have the political clout to make that happen. Even Republicans are are coming out against the idea of delaying um, the election so i mean you 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 have to remember that nobody likes donald trump in washington like the the establishment republicans they hate him almost as much as the democrats do so that the republicans are are much more concerned i would imagine with trying to keep the senate from flipping over into democratic hands than they are the presidency they might have already written off the, the presidency for all i know and with how politically divided the country is now. You have to have control of, of both the the House and the Senate and the presidency if you're going to want to get your agenda passed. Unless, of course, that your agenda is just printing money and doling it out. They'll they'll come up with a way uh, of coming together on that. Then it's just a, a matter of meeting in the middle at, at some outrageous dollar amount. Like they're, I think they're voting today. the uh, unemployment benefits because those run out tomorrow tomorrow is the last day for that extra six hundred dollars of federal assistance and so now it's it's just a matter of how much money they're going to give you not whether or not they are going to extend them and if you recall uh, that was predicted on this podcast if you've been listening long enough i told you exactly what was going to happen and the uh you know pelosi comes out with an outrageous number and then the Republicans come out with a, a, a lower number and they're going to meet somewhere in the middle. But the effect will be the same. It'll still have the, the same negative effects that I've been talking about on this show. So if you haven't already, you can go back and listen to those episodes. But there's just no way they're going to delay this election. There, there's too many bad things that could happen if, if uh, something like that were to take place. I don't know if this was some of that, that Ford, an attempt at that 4-D chess that uh, donald trump is always getting getting credit for from uh i don't know his supporters the alt-right or something like that maybe this is an example of that i I don't know i mean i haven't heard anybody else really making this point but by saying that we can't have the elections until it's safe he kind of puts the media in an interesting position right because while they had incentive to blow the coronavirus cases out of proportion you know this pandemic it's the end of the world and it's all donald trump's fault it's poor leadership and you know he downplayed it and look what happened and they you know they get to use that to beat donald trump over the head and crush him in in the polling and everything like that and that's what they've been doing quite successfully of course The, the the media is good at one thing it is uh Fear mongering and propaganda. But if Trump, if Trump comes out and says, we're not going to have the election until it's, it's safe enough to do so. Now, all of a sudden, the incentives uh, could shift for them. (laughs) Now, you know, just like that, the media would go from hysteria over coronaviruses to, oh, everything's fine. It's all safe. You don't have to worry. You can go vote. It's not a big deal. You're not in danger. They might be tempted to do that, but I, I don't know if that's, if that's really what he was going for. <laughs> Cause then Donald Trump can come out and try to take credit for defeating the coronavirus and making it safe for everybody to go and pursue our sacred democracy, right? That I don't think that's actually what's going to happen. <laughs> I, I think the the media will take the tack that you know he's trying to be this authoritarian dictator and this is fascism and all, and all that stuff. But it, it would be pretty hilarious uh, to watch them try to do a complete 180 on all this pandemic stuff in order to take the delaying the election off the table, right? That, that would just be, I mean, I, I love watching just blatant media hypocrisy and just anytime you can see, just how dishonest the media is on full display that's always great but the the problem is that delaying the election is such an outlandish idea that they're not even going to have to go down that route so if this wasn't attempted at for D chess i think it's going to fail miserably and so that leaves us with the the mail-in voting option right because it's it's way too dangerous to to be going out there and And standing in line and and voting. I mean, it's not too dangerous to to protest. That's fine, as long as it's for the right cause. But voting is a little too dangerous. So now we got to mail in all the ballots. That in and of itself is pretty revealing, isn't it? Because, you know, they claim that protesting was okay, because racism is so important and so bad that we really need to take to the streets and, and support Black Lives Matter. But then they go around, the only thing more sacred than fighting racism is voting and in this case voting to fight racism right the most racist president we've ever had donald trump you know he's a white supremacist he's a nazi we have to go vote it's our sacred duty it's it's our you know the the best thing about america is your right to vote yet it's too dangerous to go out to the polls we have to mail everything in (laughs) very revealing very very revealing and Obviously, there's a reason why all the Democrats want mail-in ballots, and they're not supporting people just going out to the polls the way they supported them going out to uh, protest or risk getting coronavirus. And I mean, let's be honest: mail-in voting is a joke. I mean, it, it's more of a joke than voting in general, which um, I, I think I've made my thoughts on that pretty clear over over the years. But. Um, If that's throughout they go i mean some states already do this but if they're doing like all 50 states are doing mail-in voting that is just a recipe for disaster it will be wrought with fraud they couldn't make it any easier to interfere in an election which is pretty ironic considering they spent the last three years talking about how the only reason donald trump got elected was because of russian interference Right. They ran some Facebook ads and voila, Donald Trump took out Hillary Clinton. Uh, But there's a reason there. There's definitely a reason why every Democrat wants mail in ballots. Right. I mean, let's all sit back and think about the mailman, all the mailmen who are Trump supporters. (laughs) And and we've already seen a bunch of, you know, uh, photos and stories and things like that about mail just being dumped in the forest or something because the mailman didn't feel like delivering it. Now, not only do they not feel like delivering it, they have an incentive to not deliver it. They have an incentive to make sure the, the ballots from Republican dist- uh, districts or, or swing states or something like that, that they don't make it. Somehow that those just get lost in the mail, like a, a million things that, that I can think of off the top of my head. Not to mention how easy it would be to mail in ballots for people that don't exist or Um, you know, to be somebody that you're not an illegal alien or, uh, I don't know what you're supposed to, what do you, what do you call them anymore? I don't know. Whatever your, whatever the, uh, proper term is for somebody who's a non-U.S. citizen voting in the election. I don't think I'd get in any trouble for that. So, um, but there's something incredible about the, like, they talk about how important this election process is. And this is like our sacred democracy. And voting is like the most precious thing you can do. <laughs> and, and all of a sudden, it's going to rest in the hands of the U.S. Postal Service. The, the, the same U.S. Postal Service that couldn't deliver a shelf to me for about two and a half months. And if you need any, any proof for the incompetence of the U.S. Postal Service, you can come... Come stop by. I, have, I still have three bookshelves, three additional bookshelves that were, were canceled because they did not deliver them on time. Um, I had to redo the order. You can go back and listen. I complained about it on the podcast a, a few times because it was like a, a two month long ordeal where they, 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 they screwed up this delivery. And then a couple months go by and all of a sudden I have two more uh, bookshelves that I didn't need because I, can't, I ordered something else. I went a different route. But, I mean, they're, they're incompetent. Uh, it's a government organization. Of course, they're going to be incompetent. But anyway, I mean, this is already going to be the most contested election results
1: possibly
0: ever, uh, for sure in my lifetime. Um, regardless of who wins, really. I mean, you know, if Biden wins, you know, all, all these Republicans are going to cry conspiracy, you know, because of the coronavirus and the Russia impeachment and all that stuff, right? And if Trump manages to somehow pull this out with mail-in ballots, I mean, yeah, either way, half the country is never going to consider either president that gets elected. Legitimate. It's just going to be impossible. I mean, that's probably going to happen anyway. If even if they have regular voting, but if they do, if every state does mail-in ballots, I mean, it's going to take them forever to sort this out. There's going to be all sorts of confusion and problems, and um, nobody's going to take this seriously. And there's something. I really like about that. Anytime the one of the uh, like holy sacraments of government, in this case, voting and the election process. Anytime something like that, one of these religious ceremonies, gets uh, taken down a peg or two, it always does uh, warm the cockles of my heart. But if by some miracle Donald Trump pulls out a win in November, you can prepare for people to collectively lose whatever portion of their minds they have left. And that, that's kind of what I'm pulling for, just to see the chaos, just to see, um, I, I don't know, I guess you could call it schadenfreude, taking pleasure in the misery of others. I, I can't imagine what would happen if Donald Trump got reelected. I don't know, there's a part of me that definitely wants to, to see that sort of thing happen. The problem is that I, I think there'd be so much Violence and, and riots and and you know people getting hurt, businesses being ruined, even more so than they already have. That um, you know who, who knows it might just be better. Just let, let sure go ahead. Let let a senile old Joe Biden and and uh, I don't know who he still hasn't uh, picked a, a vice president yet, Kamala Harris or something. Let them take the reins and um, put the final nail in the coffin of the United States. I mean. At this point, like I said, it doesn't matter. This whole thing is over. Um, now it's just time to to sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Try not to take this stuff too seriously. But going back to the the tweet that Donald Trump said uh, tweeted, the he he said it would be an embarrassment, right? That that this election process would be an embarrassment if we had mail in voting, and I mean the real embarrassment here is that. This is still how we do things. This is still how we organize society. This is still how we determine who our rulers are going to be. Whether or not you go physically and punch a, you know, punch a, um, punch a ballot or you use one of the electronic ballots that they do, you go and stand in line and do that, or whether you mail it in, that's embarrassing. There has been next to no innovation. Or advancement in the voting procedure whatsoever we're basically doing it the exact same way we have been for hundreds of years and it's just so typical of government there's never any advancement or increase in efficiency or anything like that in anything that they do I mean you go there you stand in line they have voting booths yeah sure maybe they're electronic now that might be the only thing that's changed in some places is that they have, they have a gigantic computer thing that you use now. OK, but I, I think they had that the last time I voted, which was 18 years ago. OK, so I mean, maybe there have been some some advancements in, in the voting um, procedure that I'm just not aware of because I don't vote anymore. But I'm not I'm going to go ahead and go way out on a limb and say "No. Nah now they haven't changed a goddamn thing because they never do that's it in in hundreds of years that's all the ingenuity they can muster they go from physically you know turning in a piece of paper to using a machine to do it and then that's the the two the two options we're left with right in the in the pandemic is you can either fill out a piece of paper and send it in snail mail using the post office or you can uh go stand in line physically and use one of their voting machines. The idea that, after all of this, the the only thing that we the, the only two options we have with all the technological advancements we have, all of the you know innovation that takes place in the private sector. and the two options government leaves us with is uh, mailing in a piece of paper using the post office snail mail which is like one step above the Pony Express or going down physically and using one of their voting machines. I mean, that's it. If you think that the post office can handle this, go back and listen to my shelf debacle rants from uh, a few months ago and tell me that you you have faith that the post office can get this right. I mean, how many people are going to vote? 120 some odd million, something like that, right? It's like 60 some million for each side. And then... I don't know, maybe a couple million for uh, the the liberca- uh, Libertarian candidate, Joe Jorgensen. So, I mean, this is going to be a disaster. There are going to be lost ballots. There's going to be recounts. There's going to be so much mayhem surrounding this. And I got to say, um, I'm really looking forward to it. I, I'm really looking forward to the incompetency of government being on full display. I, I can't imagine a better scenario to to sort of scare people straight. But this is it, I mean this is the institution that we all hold so near and dear to our heart that we look up to, these are the, the ones that we look to run our lives for us, that tell us what we can do, what we can't do. And they're, you know, the government as an institution is what, known for three things. They're known for corruption, they're known for incompetence, and they're known for lack of innovation. I mean, look at all the other institutions that the government controls or they're involved in, like the DMV. You seen any um, any great advancement in, in going down to the DMV or is that still a colossal disaster? The education system. I mean, we still educate uh, our students and I use that term as loosely as possible. We still educate kids the exact same way we did for centuries, centuries ago. We get them in a big group We sit them in rows, and you listen to some boring teacher drone on and on about some stupid shit that they're probably never even going to have to use in their real lives. I mean, we have the internet, for Christ's sake. How can there not be some way of online voting that wouldn't require people to take half a day to go down and go down to the polling place, wait in line, fill out the ballot, and then it's like, oh yeah, wait—they—they they can't design a website. They—I mean, I designed a website for Christ's sake. I mean, it's nothing to write home about, but I'm—I'm I'm self-proclaimed technologically illiterate. Uh, they spent a hundred million dollars trying to create an Obamacare website that fell flat on its face right out of the gate. And then who knows? Probably another hundred million trying to get that thing to work out. Anyway, this is uh, a. <laughs> This is going to be really something to watch. I can't wait for for the next couple of months to take place. I mean, there are, like I said, there is a handful of states that I think already do mail in ballots, um, but I think they're talking about having everybody do them, because it's or at least it's going to be a bunch more because of all the coronavirus stuff. And I'm sure all the conspiracy theorists out there, um, who for who years ago were worried about. Donald Trump not turning over power if and when he, he lost re-election are going bonkers right now. And that'll be fun to watch as well. That, that, that's always fun to watch uh, crazy people sort of uh, have breakdowns over this. But it's not going to happen. The delay is not going to happen. All this will do, really, I think, in Trump's mind, is save some of his ego if he loses Uh, most likely when he loses. I mean, he's got the excuse now, right? He can go around telling himself that, well, he didn't lose the election. You know, he got screwed out of the election because of the the coronavirus hoax and, um, you know, the mail-in ballots and all this election fraud and everything like that. So he's got the excuse to try to save face and tell himself that he's still tremendous and unbelievable. Um, sort of like Hillary Clinton did. I mean, that's what losers do. Losers find excuses and they, they blame others for their failures instead of taking a long, hard look in the mirror. I think the odds of him just bowing out of the race before it gets to that point are are far greater than any sort of delay in, in, in the election process. Or, or the idea that he's going to go up like full on dictator and, and not turn over the, the reins to, to Joe Biden or something like that. I mean he'll just bow out. He'll bow out for some you know he'll make something up. Um, you know when you when you when you can't win the game, you, you come up with some some excuse like oh, it's rigged, you don't like the rules and then you just you take your ball and you go home kind of thing. But one thing is for sure, a lot of people who are going to start paying attention with uh, just three months left to this election, They're going to get a big dose of just how ridiculous this whole charade is, this whole ritual of voting, choosing our masters. This is going to be the most entertaining thing to watch. Anyway, that's enough about that. Let's take a quick second before we switch gears here and talk about the economy and thank our sponsor for today's show. You guys know them by now. It's Lorenzotti Coffee the premium Italian coffee delivered right to your door by two liberty-minded entrepreneurs who came together over their love of a good cup of coffee and their difficulty in finding it here in the United States. So if you go to lorenzati.coffee and enter the promo code FICTION, you will get 10% off your order, and they will send it right to your door. You don't have to risk going outside and exposing yourself to the pandemic the coronavirus the COVID 19 that's got everybody's panties in a bunch you don't have to socially distance yourself in a line at starbucks you can just wake up in the morning go to the door get your coffee throw it in a pot and brew yourself up a delicious cup of premium italian coffee and they also supply coffee shops with the professional equipment they need to brew delicious coffee. So if you, if you got a small coffee shop or a business where you brew a lot of coffee for people, you can use that promo code FICTION at Coffee. That's L-O-R-E is in Edward and is in Nancy Z is in zebra. O-T-T-I dot coffee. Promo code FICTION for 10% off your order. All right. Now let's get into the serious stuff. The economic numbers that came out. Uh the economy, this is from uh Market Watch. Okay, I pulled up an article here, badly battered by the coronavirus, shrank a record 32.9% annual pace in the second quarter, underscoring just how big a hole the US finds itself in as it labors to recover from the deepest recession in American history. Um and if you look at if you look at the graph of US GDP, it, it really is. Just incredible to look at. You know, if you go back to like 2009, the Great Recession, the biggest dip we had in GDP wasn't even 10%. And then you just see this big bar going down to 33%. I mean, we've never seen anything like this. The tidal wave of damage from the first global pandemic in a century was almost as bad as Wall Street expected. Analysts uh, polled by MarketWatch had a forecast of 35% decline in GDP. That's gross domestic product. And they came in pretty close at at 33. So the economy began to recover in mid-May after a severe contraction at the beginning of the quarter. But the U.S. faces a long road back, analysts say. Okay, let me just stop right there for a second. Because what we had in May was not an economic recovery. All right, it wasn't anything close to an economic recovery. What we had in May was economic stimulus created out of thin air and pumped into the economy. That was all of the money that the PPP, the $1,200 checks that went out to people, the, the $6 trillion that the Federal Reserve pumped into the markets. That is what, what goosed the markets in May and made people think that we were going to have this V shaped recovery. And if you've been listening to this show for any um, amount of time, you would know that that was going to be short-lived. It was uh, what they call a bear market rally. And we're getting ready for the next leg down here because that, that trillion, all those trillions of dollars that they, that they spent over the last couple of months, that's all dried up. And that's why they're voting on, on more stimulus now uh, because we're right back where we were. They'll have to keep trying to goose things each time the the stimulus dries up and that's the problem the, the stimulus is actually the the drug it, it's making us sicker it's getting us high or it's getting us drunk you know it's like being really drunk and every time the hangover is about to set in you just drink a little more okay so that you, you stay drunk and you don't have to deal with the pain of the hangover which is your body purging all of those toxins out of your system, right? That's what's happening in the economy. The economy is trying to purge itself of all this malinvestment, this economic stimulus. And every time that hangover starts to set in, Congress comes along and it pumps us full of, of more alcohol. The problem is that each time they do that, they're, they're putting one more nail in the coffin of the U.S. economy. And eventually, they're going to destroy the lifeblood of the economy, which is the U.S. dollar. I mean, look at look at gold. Gold is at all-time record highs. I think it was at, I don't know where it closed today, 1950, something like that. Like I talked about on uh, the last episode or the episode before that, that is not like gold becoming more valuable. That is the dollar becoming less valuable. And that is the, you know, that is the measure of, of how much they've destroyed of your purchasing power. And some people, you know, I remember talking to them sort of in the beginning of this pandemic and maybe in the middle of it while we were still quarantined and they were optimistic about the U.S. economy saying how resilient it is and they think we'll be able to come back. It's only resilient in the sense that it's been hard to overdose on the drugs or, or the, the booze of monetary stimulus. It's been very tough to kill the dollar, or at least what's left mm-hmm. of it, because the dollar has what's called the reserve status of, of the world, okay? So anything, any transaction that takes place between countries, you know, uh, buying, buying oil, buying commodities, things like that, all of those transactions have to take place in dollars. So even if Russia wants to buy a barrel of oil, They still have to first buy the dollars and then use the dollars to buy the oil. And the only reason we have reserve status, this goes back to when we were on a gold standard and we pulled one of the greatest bait and switches of all time. It was built as a way to sort of make it more convenient for all of these global transactions to take place instead of doing all this currency exchange and things like that. Just, hey, we'll use the dollar. Uh, everything can take place in, in uh, dollar-denominated transactions. And look, all of our dollars are backed by all this gold at the Federal Reserve. A dollar is redeemable in gold. I think I've talked about that before on the show. The the, the dollars that you have in your wallet right now will say Federal Reserve note on them. Um, now, note it, it is a promise to pay something. The dollar was the actual gold, okay? You're supposed to be able to take those Federal Reserve notes to the Federal Reserve, and if you gave them a a 20, right, they would give you the equivalent of $20 of gold. The gold were the dollars. The note was a claim to those dollars. Okay? Now, they've changed all that. We went off the gold standard uh, under Nixon in 1971. But for some reason, we've been able to trick the world into staying on a, on a dollar reserve status. And so all these transactions are still taking place in dollars, despite the fact that we've been destroying the value of the dollar. I have another article here that, that has a chart. Um, just the, the drop in um, you know gold per ounce, when, when you measure the dollar's value in gold from 1971 to 2020, the drop in currency was 98%. Okay, and if you go back all the way to 1913, the creation of the Federal Reserve, whose mandate, you know, was one of them was to, to preserve uh, the, the dollar, the purchasing power of the dollar, we, we've lost nine, like 99.9% of, of the dollar's value. So we're clinging to this last little bit of purchasing power, and we're doing our, our best to destroy what's left of it. And every time we do, every time we destroy a little more of it, they consider that some sort of economic recovery, uh, short-lived as it may be. And then once that um, that fades, well, then it's like, oh, well, we've got to do a little more. It, it's like it's like um, bloodletting with leeches in, in like medieval times where they... A patient would be sick and so they put a bunch of leeches on them to, to suck the blood out because they thought their blood was making them sick and you know the more blood they took out the sicker they got and so they kept they kept thinking that they need more leeches they put more leeches on and eventually you kill the patient that is what we are doing to this economy uh, anyway back to the the article here let's get into some more statistics for you uh, millions of Americans are, are still out of work thousands of businesses have closed and many of those that remain open have had to scale back operations because of tepid demand or ongoing government restrictions. The recent surge in coronavirus cases in about half of the US states, especially large ones like Texas, Florida, and California, have also dealt a blow to the fragile economic recovery. Previous GDP had never shrunk by more than 10% on an annual basis in any quarter since the government began tracking shortly after World War II. Consumer spending, the main engine of the economy, which we've talked about that, is one of the biggest problems why this economy is so phony, because spending does not drive economic growth. It, remember, it is savings and production. But since we are completely dependent on consumer spending, that contracted by 34.6% uh, in the second quarter. The decline was especially sharp in services typical, it, as predicted on this podcast, travel, tourism, tourism eating out, things like that. Um, I I talked about that when this initial lockdown took place. And I I took a survey of of the U.S. economy and what was making it tick. And I mean, this is pretty easy to predict if you understand basic economics and you're not falling victim to all this Keynesian nonsense. Households spent far less on goods. The, The decline wasn't quite as steep purchases dropped 11.3%. Americans bought more cars, groceries and certain other household staples with many of them working at home, but sales on clothing, gasoline and many other goods fell sharply because nobody's going anywhere if that makes sense. The car thing is kind of interesting because I did see another headline here that um, Americans are ditching uh, Americans ditch airports, hotels an RV boom saved the GDP from an even bigger collapse. Apparently, people are switching to RVs now. <laughs> um, now I don't know if that's because they're getting uh, they're they're about to get evicted from their house, they can't afford it, or something like that, or if it's just a a better way of traveling that doesn't expose you to the the coronavirus as much, or something like that. Could be a little bit of both, but that I thought that was. Um, that was an interesting development. Anyway, investment in new housing shriveled up by 38.7%. Uh, record low mortgage rates have spawned a new rash of new home sales and spurred builders to step up construction toward the end of the quarter. The level of inventory has also shrank by a whopping $234.6 billion compared to $80 billion drop-off in the first quarter. Companies have cut back production as sales slumped, exports tumbled, I think you guys get the point here the rate of inflation meanwhile fell at a 1.9 percent pace in the second quarter after increasing earlier in the year i mean i've talked about how ridiculous the way we calculate inflation is the way we calculate gdp is also pretty flawed i mean to include government spending in that and and all sorts of like research and development and stuff like that really overstates what our, our gdp is but also understating inflation because you have to subtract the inflation rate from the nominal gdp to get the real gdp and the idea that we've we've uh, added like 3 trillion dollars to the national debt in the last few months and our inflation rate is 1.9% is absolutely ridiculous i guess the main takeaway here is that you know, as as predicted, this, this is not going to be a V-shaped recovery. And it's not necessarily because of the coronavirus. It's all the reaction to the coronavirus. No doubt we were we were headed for an economic collapse of some sort. And there was always going to be a pin that popped this economic bubble. It was it just happened in this case to be the coronavirus. But the reaction to the coronavirus and, and the hysteria surrounding it has made things far worse than, than they actually would be, both in terms of businesses having to shut down. Like a lot of businesses might have been able to weather some of this storm if these, these shutdowns and, and it looks like we're going to experience like another round of these in some places. So maybe some businesses would have made it through this if not for the coronavirus, but the government reaction and all of this stimulus, it, everything that they are doing is not curing this problem. It's not solving any problems. It's creating thousands more. It's making the economy that much worse, that much more unstable. And the economic pain we're going to have to take once we finally overdose, once we get so drunk that it stops our economic heart, that is going to be far worse than had we just dealt with the the economic fallout from this and, and taken our taken our medicine all at once. And I you know I talked I talked last show that anytime the government tries to step in and and solve a problem, they create 10 more unintended consequences on top of that. And I don't even know if, if these uh, uh, if the unintended consequences of this are realized by a lot of these politicians, but the, the problems that they're doing structurally to the economy, just through the, the economic stimulus that ev- most Americans have been trained to look for, is not only gonna have unintended consequences, it's going to do permanent damage. And if they, if they are successful in destroying what's left of the dollar, all of the, the problems, all of the things that we've been complaining about, that we've been fighting with each other about, you know, uh, transgender bathrooms and and, and Trump's tweets and all, and all this crap, that is all going to hail in comparison. There is going to be economic devastation on a, on a level that none of us could even imagine if... Um, if they, if we continue down this path. And at this point, I don't know if there's a way of stopping it. I, I really don't. I mean, it, it, there doesn't seem to be any political will to do so. It's always politically convenient to kick the can down the road and just print up a bunch of money and dole it out to people. That's easy. What's not easy is to level with the American people and tell them, look, like we've got some real problems here and uh, we, we can't keep trying to hand out free lunches to everybody. Now you tell me, which, which route you think the politicians are going to take, whether it's Donald Trump, whether it's Joe Biden, or, or third-party candidate, or, or whatever, it doesn't matter. Whoever gets elected, whoever controls the House and the Senate, even if Republicans maintain and somehow get control of all three, or Democrats get control of all three, they don't do anything different. Look, at if they did, we wouldn't be where we are today. government always gets bigger. It has never gotten smaller. The Republicans haven't conserved anything. They haven't shrunk the size of government one time in the history of of the Republic. Yeah, it's not looking good, man. You guys, I I can't, you know, I'm not allowed to give like financial advice or something like that. But I I do think that is, you know, I've laid out what problems are coming down the pike. I don't know when they're going to happen. But, uh, you, you know, we should all be taking steps to try to protect ourselves as best we can from the, the coming economic uh, downfall from, from all of this uh, government intervention in the economy. And, you know, if we had a sound economy, this coronavirus thing uh, would not have to be the, the nail in the coffin, but the, the reaction to it, the, the, the idea that People have been trained to look to government to solve all their problems and, oh, we got this virus now, so the government has to do all of these things, the government has to provide housing, they have to give everybody money, everybody must stay home, and the government will just give you stuff. That that mentality that has been drilled into people's minds through decades and decades of government-controlled education and, and media propaganda, that is what has... uh set us up for the ultimate demise. And uh I don't know. I hate to, to end on such a depressing note here, but that's where I'm gonna wrap today guys. Enjoy your weekend. I will be back on Monday with a brand new episode. If you liked what you heard today or if you know somebody who needs to hear this message go ahead and and share the show with them they you know one of the best ways for me to increase the reach to grow our numbers is to have you guys uh, let everybody else know what you're listening to let let your friends know what you're what you're into and and share the show with them maybe it's not this episode maybe it's another episode that you like better or, or check out the YouTube channel got a lot of clips up there. Justin's been doing a great job of putting things together that are in a more shareable format. So let, let's get the word out a little bit because a lot of people I think are going to be in for a rude awakening if they don't hear this message in time. So, so share the show with your friends. Follow me on Twitter at Pedal Fiction. And if you want to become a supporting listener of the show, you can do that by going to Pedaling Fiction And if you can do all that for me, I will.